When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, I'm Jimmy Bullard, and this is me old muck of Venice. We're back together, son. How are you? Hey, Bully, hey, great to be back working with you. Well, what are we doing here, though? We're starting a football club in podcast form. The only thing we know, it's called FC Bullard. After that, it's all up for grabs. So, we haven't got any players, we haven't got a kit, we haven't got a club badge, we haven't got a stadium. Correct. FC Bullard. Welcome to the club. This is a crowd podcast. Reach out, reach out your right hand. Touching you. Touching me. We're, we're back, back together. together. Ba, ba, ba. We're Gotta no longer on a Do, 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 do. Bum, no, bum, no. Bum. I see your face. Yes, yes, yes. I could touch it if I wanted to. Please stay away. <laughs> Our guest today is a firefighter, and his name is Darren. Welcome, Darren. Well, thank you very much. Are you a, a listener? Have you I listened am. to the I've show listened before? To a couple. I've listened to a couple. I've listened to the um, the pub landlord, Jed, mm. and uh, the um, priest as well. The, the vicar, old yeah. The old masturbating oh, yeah. vicar, yeah. The masturbating <laughs> vicar. <laughs> I'm glad yeah. that's what you took out of it. Yeah. Well, I mean... So you, you're fully aware of the shower of shit that's about to be thrown at you for the yeah, next... Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Oh, he's keen. Go for it, mate. He Go for it. really keen. Yeah. Do you want to do that first question then, Joe, the one that we're worried about because just we're doing this make, in person? Yeah, just make sure that... Uh, yeah, well, you are considerably bigger. It's no offence to the paramedic that we had on, but okay. you are considerably bigger... And his was also on Zoom, so I could yeah. kind of ask him anything. But anyway, we go with we had a paramedic on, okay, and uh, he did siren noises for us. <laughs> Pardon? Yeah, he did siren. So there's three different siren noises that you can do for um, ambulance. Apparently, there's, okay. And I was just, um, just, just. Uh, you're not going to ask me, are you? Can you do the same, please? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know. I don't know. What, so I don't know what the difference is between an ambulance siren and a firefighter siren. Yeah. So I'm, you've got one I'm of pl- them that yeah. are. Nino, Nino. Yeah, pretty much like that. Is it? Is it? Nino, that sounds. Nino. Oh, anyway, that's it. That's, that's, it. that's it. I'm done. <laughs> That's it. Ang, 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 the fire. ego. Yeah. He, he does it better than me. Yeah. Ang, 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 Get that out is, of fucking yep. way. Oh, yeah. See? But I'm an officer now, so I don't deal with that. The don't press the thing. button. Yeah, what do you mean you're an button. officer? I'm a sub-officer, so I, I'm in charge of the like, station. Well, well hang on. almost what in you, charge of the station. Hang on. You get fire officers. Yeah. I thought you were firefighters. No, I'm a firefighter, but you've got you've got ranks as well. You don't just go through how many years. You have to have some ranks. You've got, you've got ranks in yeah. the fire service? Of course you do, yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. Did you know this? No. So no, have you, not, have you never seen a, fire, a firefighter? You've never seen a firefighter like in a white shirt 
or with no. a white helmet on. Some of them have got yellow helmets, some have got white helmets. Yeah, I've never understood why. I yeah, thought, because they're, fact, they're, so the white helmets are the officers. They're like the senior officers. I've never seen a white helmet. I've only seen a white helmet on Firefighter Sam. What's the cartoon? Fireman Sam. Fireman Sam. Fireman Sam, yeah. And the old guy with the like yeah, so you beard got, and yeah. the white hair. But I just thought that was because he was old. Yeah, so he was the station officer. How accurate is Fireman Sam? Um, Yeah, it's pretty accurate. It's pretty accurate, yeah. Fire truck slash fire engine. What yep. do we call it? Fire engine? Fire engine. Why is it a fire engine? We don't call it like an ambulance engine. Um, and we you actually, can't you know, see the engine. In the fire service, we actually call it an appliance. The like, whole, don't the ask whole me thing's why. a kettle. Yeah, yeah or a toaster. I don't know. Yeah, it's I a bit fucking just, bigger than a kettle. Yeah, it's just a moving thing, isn't it? So it's, a, it's an appliance. They call it appliance. Don't ask me why. I've never actually asked the question. So you just go, all oh, right, are we heading out in the appliance yeah. today? <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah. It's exactly that. Quick, what, get exactly in the appliance. That. Quick, what? guys, get in the appliance. What other, like, is... firefighter talk have we got? Like, ah, poles. Tell me about your pole. Right, okay. Do you um, actually go down a fire pole? I've done it once and what? I twisted my ankle. No. <laughs> I did, I did. I literally, that was probably one of the one things that I really wanted to do. When I first joined, I was like, yes, I've got to go down the pole. Got to go down the pole. Uh, got called out. All I remember is literally going through the door, sliding down it, and I just literally twisted my ankle. And I was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> and after that, I just did it again. What other cool shit is in the appliance? Um, like, is, it so, f- is it fun in there? It's all right. You've got, um, you've got, Cutting equipment in there. You've got hose. You've got the hose that we, we um, store in there. What else have we got? Breathing apparatus set. Obviously, the car blind me. I can't believe I, I left that last. Breathing <laughs> apparatus set. Uh, so when you go into fires, you know, you have to have your breathing apparatus set on. You t- we test that every shift. So we have to make sure we test that. That's like your bread and butter. Does it make you all sound like Darth Vader or Bane? It does. So you're like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, doing that, yeah. All that. It's exactly that, yeah. Darren. Yep. <laughs> Would you like to slide down my pole? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Joe. Yes. <laughs> Why are you doing slow motion like you're in the moon? I think we should do the rest of the episode. <laughs> Just like this. <laughs> Joe, your breathing apparatus doesn't seem to be working because you're unable to come out with more than three words before you have to have a deep breath. I'm in character, you fat. <laughs> Fuck's sake, you're ruining it for me. It was really role-playing there. Why have I still got my hands cut, my face cut? That's really good. <laughs> What's the weirdest start of a fire that you've ever heard about? Oh, God. Right, so... <laughs> I have got one. Um, this was when, pretty much when I first started. This was actually my first night shift, I remember. So it was an old guy, big guy. He was on his Zimmer frame. Uh, he fell off of his Zimmer frame and couldn't alert anyone. So what he decided to do, he had some matches and he had his <laughs> slipper right near him. So he wanted to alert. He wanted to alert someone. So what do you think he'd done? He lit the match, put it on the slipper. So the slipper was like a light. And he thought he would do that right near a curtain. Wait, so he waved his burning so slipper near a curtain. His burning slipper. <laughs> Sorry, I've got to say it. I've got to say it. We're, we're, um, no one can see us. So wave his burning slipper 
wave his burning slipper right near a curtain, <laughs> and that curtain caught a light, and then he, um, poor guy. I mean, he, he did, we did, we did rescue him. At did the end. he? So he survived. So he survived. First of all. He survived. Relief because I've laughed a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> However, you know, right. it's a, a silly sto- story, that, a silly way to get attention. Yeah. And you've laughed a lot at him. He achieved his goal. <laughs> he did achieve his goal. He achieved his goal. He <laughs> fell off his zimmer. He couldn't reach his cord or phone or whatever it was. Yeah. And he needed to alert someone to come and help him. He's achieved his goal. I think that is fucking Mate, bang on. Some of him. his house burnt down and, <laughs> and with, it, with him like having a few scalds to his legs. Yeah, I yeah, mean, there are I consequences mean, to it. Yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You live and die by the sword. Well, yeah, true. Our guest today is a wine connoisseur slash wine consultant. What is that in front of you? This is wine. I noticed, Libby, it has a screw-top lid. Yeah. Oh, does that mean it's cheap? You can have excellent wine in screw cap or cork. Uh, cork was a traditional method because it, that's the only old way that you could age your wine because it allows a tiny little bit of oxygen into your wine as you're aging it, and screw caps didn't, but they've actually changed screw caps now. Um, so it does allow a little bit of oxygen through, and you get some amazing wines with a screw cap. It's a big debate. People can get quite snobby about it. It's a big debate about how long you can actually age a screw, screw cap wine for, but as good a wine can be in a screw cap. With white wine, yeah. do you have to, like, swill it? What swill it? Swill it in your mouth. You can swill it if you like. No, no. What uh, do you have to like uh, shake it? What is that? Shake it. Circle it. it. (laughs) What am I doing? Swirl. Swirl it. Swirl. Swirl it. Swirl it. Swing. Just just swig it. Really. Um, No. Basically, with any wine apart from sparkling wines, because then you'll get rid of the bubbles, and you can do it in the air if you're confident, or you can do it on just on the base and I'll go high I'm not confident either I'm just going to like do two hands that's perfect a two handed swirl like a like a pepper like I'm grinding a pepper you've gone safety first I've gone high wire I'm going up by my face I wonder what this says about both of you Mm, exactly I'm risk averse are you does that mean you don't like risks yeah yeah I don't I don't like risks no I play it safe and you go for rugby as a Yes, yeah, that's more of a stupid decision than anything it's a else. Very, yeah, it's very violent. And not a, a huge amount of choice. It was either okay. turfing or rugby. <laughs> and I tried sure. turfing, it's just um, I really get really bad tan, like sunburn and that. So right, no, I, I see why you made that call. But yeah, you swirl it around and get all those aromas going, and then you want to have a little sniff. Now, if you've got a big hooter, this is probably, I've got quite a small nose. Why did you say, if you've got a big hooter, and then you look directly at me? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think we know. Okay, why. fine. That's absolutely fine. <laughs> what I usually find with most glasses, actually, is that my hooter doesn't fit in most of them, so I have to extend my neck back. So I find it really. I've got a small nose, and it really helps me to put my nose to the rim, put my <laughs> nose to the top of the rim. What you really want to do is make sure your nose goes past that rim, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So just, just put your nose past the rim, come on. I'm sure you've done this before, Jack. Oh, God! <laughs> right, so I put my nose in. Yeah, past yep, the rim. Past the smell rim. it. Give it a good, give it a good sniff. Smells mm. like... <laughs> smells like wine. You're listening to The Marler Show. It isn't on the radio. It's a podcast, fool. You listen anywhere you go. Joe Marler's show. Today, our guest is a vicar. You know the swear words in the Bible, don't you? Fuck off. Where? where <laughs> okay, we'll get, we'll get onto that. That's not one of them. Who's who's your boss? 
Like, who, who's your line manager? Is it the Lord himself? No, there's a few middle managers in between. Did you start as a choir boy? Do you dream of being the Pope one day? The Pope is Catholic. As oh, the, bollocks. The, the See, this goes. is this, this ah. is how fucking stupid I am and why any Lord would be like, even if he did believe, I don't want him to believe in me, actually. Is there anything in the Bible which forbades the words that I now can't say because I'm also... Masturbation. Masturbation. Oh, God! Oh, I don't know how I feel about the father saying that word. Don't make him say it! <laughs> Talk to me about farting during funerals. Has that ever happened to you? <laughs> Who is Desmond Tutu? <laughs> is that the entirety of the question, Joe? Yeah. yeah, really. I just wanted to get some clarification um, from someone who's actually in the business. That's it. Our guest today is Matt. How do? First generation farmer. So does that mean no one else was a farmer in your family? No one else was stupid enough to be a farmer, no. Right, so a sheep is famous for always following other sheep. Yes. Does a sheep know that it's a sheep? Well, they've actually done a study. They do recognise faces. They don't know words. So they don't know sheep, Tom. They have their own language, if you... Well, for an well, argument's sake. Go on, here sake. we go. No, 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 no. You've said it. No, 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 you can't just take for it argument's sake. You can't but, take it back. You just like, said they've got their own language. No, but I'm not saying, like, they're not there, you know, je suis. But I mean, like... Je suis. <laughs> they're there. Je know. suis sheep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> je uh, je m'appelle uh, plump sheep. <laughs> je m'appelle lamb chop. The, um, you know, like, but they bleat to each other, don't they? They communicate like a mum, like a ewe, which is like a female sheep, and a lamb, they will bleat to one another. They'll know each other's sound. So is that communication? It's just we can't understand it. Oh, wow, this has got all mystic. Can you, do you think you can understand it, though? Could you learn to talk sheep? Oh, I don't think so, mate. I think, oh. we're, getting, I think we're getting sucked in here. Would you want a lamb or which one do you want? I want a mutton. <laughs> a mutton. <laughs> That's good. That's, I'm quite impressed by that. Do you want to have a go? No. Okay. No. <laughs> what do you want? I want oh. the goat that screams. That's what I want from you. <laughs> I would like um, a female sheep. Uh, she's three years old and she's had two lambs. Because <laughs> I think if you walk through a field and you do a passable sheep impression, you can get the sheep to look at you. Like, yeah, but they're looking at you because they're scared shitless, aren't they? Potentially. Or has that farmer been feeding that sheep? So are they just looking at you as... You so know. it's not your impression of a sheep that does it. Well, for well, when so when a, a ewe is lambed, and you need to say that load that ewe into a trailer because the lamb's a bit poorly, or you need to take it back to the shed. If you do a, an impression, she will follow the sound. She'll think her lamb's bleating to her. And you have got a sheep impression then. Hey, this is a safe space here. Is it? We is did, this, is this we did it for you, and we'd I'd, I would really appreciate. <laughs> Fuck is the best one. Yeah, it was a natural, wasn't it? No, you, when, when you do you like patronising fuck. Well, let's, let's say, like, I got to let you guys. You know, you're the stars. You're the face of this operation. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just a mere bit of entertainment. The the lambs, like when you're dragging them, it's like more of a me 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 like that. And That's I just too did deep, that. I think. I, I just did that, but it's it's because it's it's small. It's oh, low, really? isn't it? Yeah, and, and you can't. Meh, yeah, something meh, like that because meh. it's small. Because if you think a lamb's just been born. Yeah, it hasn't got that gender. Too much, that's, too that's, high, that's too very much. goaty. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's very goaty. You know those ones that that, that live on the sides of the mountains. Yeah. that you go. How does anyone live there? The chamois. Mm. What are they called? Ooh, the chamois ones. Nice. Uh, <laughs> 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 We're gonna find ourselves just going. Because <laughs> in your head, having heard mats, I'm already thinking. Oh, I should work on mine. <laughs> I've heard that you had a pretty cataclysmic incident with your sheep, Matt. I had a major fuck up, yeah. 
So as I say, I'm a first-generation farmer. Everything I've done is beg and borrow. I've, I've signed my life away to HSBC. I've had to borrow heavy and hope that the rewards are reaped. But we were going quite steady. I was still making tons of mistakes, as you do as a, as a younger person. I thought, right, I feel like I'm level-headed enough and we're in a good place. We've rented another bit of land. We can borrow some money and, and, go, and go big. So... At this point, I'd only ever borrowed like 35 grand. So I thought, right, no, let's, let's go huge. Let's go and buy 630 ewes down from Scotland, oh, the Arctic lorries. I felt like the biggest baller in the world. <laughs> uh, like, in like, you know, farming. But, like, but people are like, oh, Jags, Mustangs. I'm like, oh, yeah, boy, you got some sheep coming down. <laughs> look, at, look at me, neighbours. Here's my ewes. Absolute ewes. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, so I bought all these sheep and things were going swimmingly. I got, borrowed a lot of money from the bank. And I thought, right, we can do this. My brother will help me with the cash forecast because he's a he's a banking guy in London, so he knows numbers and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so you won't appreciate me saying that. Um, so basically, did that, and then it was going well. Got to February, still pretty well. Got to March, end of March, started lambing. So that's lambs coming out, birthing, yeah. birthing season for yeah. me. A little bit early. I have learned it was a little bit early for my neck of the woods for the system I was doing. Some mistakes were made. But basically, Beast of the East turned up, and I lost, a, I don't know, £120,000 in a week. Why? I lost 60% of my lamb crop. So I, I've i never really probably focused on a solid number because, you know, you just got, at some point, you just got to let it go. Otherwise, yeah. it just keeps on, you just keep bullying yourself. But I would say I lost close to 600 lambs in the snow. Oh. And it, it was just a really hard time for the whole industry. And a lot of people bounced back and... I've been trying ever since to bounce back, but it's basically a week of my life I'm now going to be paying for till I'm 61 years old and I've got nothing to show for it. So I've basically got a mortgage for a house I don't live in or don't own or don't see. That's effectively what it is. So um, it was a steep learning curve and, um, you know, we worked tireless, tirelessly to do everything we could. We did preempt it, so we saw it. So we put loads of feed out, loads of hay, loads of silage, everything. But it was just when lambs are being born... It was freezing. It, one minute it was snowing, then it was raining, then it was freezing, and it was just a horrible environment. You couldn't do it. The farm that we were renting at the time, um, so we had the sheds were full down at my place, and I would drive this about seven-mile round trip on a quad bike, and this was Siberian wind, so they say, and I would, because a quad bike would float quite easily over the snow, so I'd take a dog with me, and I'd, you'd have to make a choice. You'd, you'd pick what you can save and what you can't, so you'd take the stuff that you'd save, and I'd take it down back down to the farm, I'd drop it off to the students and say, right, just do what you can. I'm very lucky that my partner, she's a vet, so she was doing what she could and I'd fly back up and go again and just keep going and keep going and keep going and then all night I'd, I would um, I'm very fortunate to have a bit of a lambing office so I'd try and sleep best I could in a lambing office and I'd have to get up and the lambs that I'd save that day they would be on like a milk machine having constant supply of milk which is heated the pipes get freezing it's minus eight so I had to keep changing the pipes out of a bucket of water I had lambs in the radiators it was a seriously crap time and then after, was it about a week or two, we had that big drought, didn't we? So, like, everyone was like, oh, amazing, life's going back to normal. And I was like, yeah, I've just got, it's just, you know, it just carried on. So No more um, sheep. Yeah, or I got a lot of ewes that we, you know, all the ewes we managed to save were a bit like, well, cheers, mate. It's, you know, that was a pretty shit time. So, and that's that's how it went, really. So, it had a bit of a... Yeah, and you're still, in, you're still in sheep farming, are you? I am still very much trying, yeah, trying you didn't, my best. You didn't consider going, actually... 100%. This ain't for me. Is there other, any other farming that I might be able to give my fucking all to? 100%, but I am stupidly... I, I don't like to quit, and I thought that I had this... It sounds dull, because to a lot of people, 
livestock are probably just a consumable. Whereas as farmers, because as I've said, we, we don't make masses of money. I hate the word, but it is a livelihood. You, you do, you get to know them, you, you love it and stuff. So I was like, no, I've got, to, I've got to keep trying. And at this point, my saying is you've got a fire under your ass, you've got to find some buckets of water. So it's basically pull your sleeves up and just get going, isn't it? A fire under your ass. Yeah, so when a bank manager is like a big old fire under your ass, <laughs> you then got to find a bucket of water to I keep it dabbed out. The, I just love the sayings you keep coming out with. <laughs> On Sundays, would you like a fire under your ass? Like not too, t- not too close. Yeah, would you rather be too hot or too cold? Too hot. What would you be? Too cold. Oh, yeah, see, I'd be too cold. Would you go? Yeah. Too hot. Oh, how mate. too hot though? What do you mean? Am I, am I baking or am I just slightly yeah, sweaty? Yeah, like midnight Abu Dhabi, oh. forty-one degrees. Oh, too cold to put a jumper on. You've already chosen too hot. <laughs> I've changed my mind. You've now you've literally made it. your bed. Yeah, you, you fucking <laughs> dig out of that one. Well, how cold is it for you boys then? Uh, you can't sleep. That's how cold it is. No, uh, well, no. We, you, can't, well, you, can't have, you can't make mine really hot and then you, you have yours slightly cold. Without getting too erotic, spoonage. We're, yeah, you we'll, choose, yeah. we'll choose ours. He like I'm looking at Matt here and he reminds me of... Um, <laughs> No girlfriend. <laughs> hey, mate. No, re- don't no, mug him off like that. He reminds me better than that. No, he reminds me of that. Um, who was the one? She was uh, one of the uh, ginger spice. No, <laughs> White Walker. She was also in Vigil recently. She was the one who said, "Oh, all right, John Snow." Oh, what the in Game of Thrones? You know, you you'd like to cuddle me, wouldn't you, John Snow? And they spoon each other in that cave. Right. Okay. That's me and you. If you want to go there, mate. Yeah. <laughs> you boys spit in the cave, I'm going for, for a dip in the pool. Oh, good shout. Didn't think about that. So my preconception... Uh, what's it called? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is a good word. So I my, it. So my preconception of farmers being minted is mm. complete bollocks then. Let's just say the only way to become a millionaire in farming is to be, start off a billionaire. On Joe Marler's show. Shrink the Box is back for a brand new season. This is the podcast where we put our favourite fictional TV characters into therapy. Join me, Ben Bailey-Smith, and our brand new psychotherapist, Namone Metaxas. Hi, Ben. Yes, this season we're going to be putting the likes of Tommy from Peaky Blinders, Cersei from Game of Thrones on the couch to learn why their behaviour creates so much drama. So make sure you press the follow button to get new episodes as soon as they land on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Shrink the Box is a Sony Music Entertainment original podcast. Now this is going to sound really stupid. I know it is, but I use I'm used to that actually. How hot <laughs> is fire? How hot? <laughs> How hot is? Sorry, I knew it. Fucking, I, do, I couldn't even make it sound better than it is. How hot does it get? How Seriously, hot? So how our, hot? Our, our um our fire gear can take up to four hundred degrees heat. What? Heat, not. Not like look fire, if it, uh, you know heat, just up to heat. So obviously a fire's burning. Yeah. If you're in the same room as it, like pretend um, I'm the fire. Ready? Yeah. And I'm I'm standing here. I'm standing a bit a bit far with you. I can take up to four hundred <laughs> degrees. Yeah. Yeah. Four hundred degrees. And within within the um, so inside you'll only feel about up to sixty degrees heat. That's still pretty hot. That is it. That's but it's still. It's you're not sweating too- buckets, surely. You are sweating a little bit inside. It's all right inside, but obviously the fire gear on the outside. You don't want the fire gear on the outside getting wet. But on the inside, it's protect. You're protected. You know what I mean. Are so. you? Are you? Are you anti-flammable? As in, anti- if you no, no, are no. You, no. As in, if you. <laughs> so your gear. Why is your gear not anti-flammable then? 
anti-flammable? No. It isn't. It isn't. Literally. Why, why haven't they invented a suit that is anti-flammable? Oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> There's loads of people that do stunts with fire on them. They don't get burnt. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Well, surely yeah. we're missing a trick here. We need. Why are we doing fucking shitty podcasting when we could be <laughs> out there inventing anti-flammable fire suits for the fire appliance drivers and the substation officers? Substation. <laughs> Sub officers. <laughs> Fuck. Um, I think we need to go make anti-flammable suits, please. If you're feeling low, the Joe Mahler Show will give you things to talk about. If you're feeling down, then the Bearded Clown will give you things to talk about. I'm sitting there and I've thought long and hard about my last meal. I'm going for coleslaw. Who the fuck chooses coleslaw? Like, that is, like, seriously, like, the armpit of, like, foods. Like, nobody likes coleslaw. I'm sorry. Like, I, I don't mean to clown on you, okay, but no. Okay, okay. I, I can't remember um, <laughs> slagging off your mac and cheese. Oh, because everyone loves mac and cheese. Well, I love coleslaw. Can't wait to hear what the entree is. Or a prawn cocktail, depending on what ingredients you've got at the prison. I'd have my main as uh, a Chinese takeaway. Mm. Uh-huh. Um, so like loads of different dishes like chow mein you know deep fried prawns I like uh, squid delight we get squid delight from our local walk-in they're mm. lovely there anyway and I'd have a side of buffalo wings hot buffalo wings with the cheese sauce and maybe a couple of celery sticks because they're good for calories and stuff um, <laughs> and then I'm going to finish it off with uh, a banoffee pie our guest today is Dr Mari Cassidy Forensic pathologist. So you you deal with the dead. What exactly do you have to go and do? Forensic pathology is a specialist area, and I've even subspecialised in murder. So I don't get involved in any death unless it's a suspect murder. Why? Um, Well, I became interested in death because I found it quite interesting why people die. You You spend six years at medical college learning how to keep people alive. But despite your best efforts, some of them die. Mm. And it's, that's, that's a bit of a problem. Yeah. But I was fascinated as to why do they die? Why did they die? You know, why did they die on a Tuesday rather than a Wednesday? So I became fascinated in working out why people die. And then as part of that, then I became more interested in the, not just people who died from heart attacks or cancer or whatever it is, but then people who died in accidents and suicides and then of course that leads you into murder I'm, I'm really really fascinated I know it's like macabre and dark so you know don't confuse my fascination to being actually I'm a secret serial killer murderer and I'm going to take all these different techniques on board and oh, try that one out oh you mean line the boot yeah. oh, you use, oh you use masking tape in, instead of sellotape oh no you use a, you use black gloves instead of blue gloves i'm not taking any of that on there although you do seem to know a lot about <laughs> no that was just from daisy's granddad i've told you that one have you oh he'd not <laughs> yeah he'd i was i had this big thing in my car a little golf i'd made this wheel of misfortune in it i've told you this huh? Okay, I made this wheel of misfortune out of the wood and that lot. A mate of mine helped me make it and I had to transport it back home. So I've pulled out. It was quite dark. And I've gone up the hill. This truck from the other side of the road's hit a deer that's come out and then hit it onto me. And then I've hit this deer. 
he hasn't pulled over and I've had to pull over the front of the golf's wrecked and there's this deer like kicking in front of me <sighs> and I'm like oh my god I don't know what to do here oh my god who do I call what do you know so I called Daisy's granddad because he's like proper old school you know proper farmer and stuff like that he'll know he'll definitely know surely so he came up he's parked up behind me and he's like alright Joe where, where's it out where's it out and he's like alright help me drag it into the woods bit I was like oh god what are we doing and then uh he pulls out this giant knife no. like it's perfectly sharpened i'm like where the fuck has he got that from <laughs> i've never ever seen that knife before every time you know he's put it's obviously a special knife and he's done the humane thing and cut the mm. deer's throat and just like he's there like stroking it Shh, it's okay it's okay really quite emotional moment actually <laughs> Yeah. yeah, there, there. It'll be fine. Okay, It'll be now fine. You, now you've dressed it up like that. It's not emotional in the slightest. Can I just clarify an important detail? How injured was the deer? Yeah, it was. It was. Its legs were. Oh right. Okay. So yeah. Here, no. <laughs> Joe, hold it down. We'll stay easy. Okay. So he's done that, and it's it. And I'm like, oh, I'm a little bit emotional watching it. You know, something died, and, and then uh, he then starts like. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, and then um, he turns around and lifts up the leg. What? And hands me it. And I'm like, what am I doing with that then? He said, I was just put it in the put it in the boot of the car. I was like, pardon? He said, put it in the boot of the car. It'll make some, it'll make some nice sticks out of that. I went, what the fuck? So he's handed me this leg. And I'm like, okay. So I go to the boot of his, his Astra that he's parked up behind my golf. It's pitch black. I open the boot. It is, I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? immaculately lined with bin bags no. like sellotaped to the top of the uh, headrests the sides have always sellotaped down it's unbelievable the whole get up and just plop plop the leg in there i go back he's still cutting bits and bobs up and all that lot and put that in oh no that bit's shot to shit you know and he's just put it in there and i'm there i'm like okay fine he shuts the boot gets in the car says oh, you're gonna be all right i said yeah should be cheers and he drives off and i'll just sit there for a moment going Oh my god, he he could be the next Dexter, <laughs> the next fucking. It was so impressive what he'd done. And then two weeks later, we'd gone round for a cup of tea, and he puts this plate in front of me because they usually make something whenever we go around and see him. You know, a bit of bread and butter pudding or you know something to do. And he puts this bit of meat in front of me and thing. So well, try that then. And I'm like, what's that? He was like, that was that deer from the other week. <laughs> <laughs> I went, fuck off, half. There's not a chance I'm trying that at all. I'm not doing it. Don't like it. Not having it. Um, so, yeah, I don't know why I told you that. That's the only time that I've felt like a serial killer. But I'm not, even though I've got some experience of it from that. So, Murray, for Joe and I, who haven't properly then seen a dead body, is Silent Witness pretty accurate where you you see the scenes where they've got the cameras out and they're doing and you're talking or you're talking Mm -hmm. into a dictaphone as well like Mm -hmm. uh there seems to be some discoloration of the earlobe do you do do that do you work it from top to bottom and and you're doing that all the way down you've got to you've got to look over the body and make sure that you don't miss anything even down to little things like moles on the body on the face or on the back or something and then all the injuries. Have you got a moly back, Joe? Is that why you did that face? 
I've got a horrible. No, I'm not even going to say that story. That is just, it's just such a weird story. <laughs> Come on then. No, I can't. No. <laughs> I have to now. I haven't done it. So, my two year old, oh my God, it's making me feel sick. My two year old, Felix, he, he likes, when I carry him, he always puts his hand in my neck of my shirt. And he plays, I've got this like small mole, it's about, it's not very big, what's that the size of, Tom? Like a pea. Yeah. Size of a pea, mm. but it's a flat mole, so it's not one that sticks out, it's just, mm. but he raised a little bit and he just loves flicking it for some reason. He's like, and he'll go, my mole, my mole. And I'm like, no, no, it's my mole. <laughs> and he'll go, my mole, my mole. I was like, okay. So I'm holding him one day and... <laughs> <laughs> I've got a scab next to my mole. Oh, what? Yeah, yeah. So he's... <laughs> oh. Hang on, you're meant to be a forensic pathologist. I can understand him, but that face already. So he's he's flicking, he's playing with my mole, which is his mole, and then he's picked my scab next to it, and I've gone, ow! I've gone, ow! What are you doing? Ow! And he's like, my mole, my mole. I was like, no, no. But anyway, his hand comes out of the shirt of my neck, and oh, then I look no. at him, and he goes... He sticks in his mouth. And I went, what are you doing? What are you doing? He went, my mole. I was like, oh! Oh, God. Oh. And I told Daisy that, and she was just, you are like, you're disgusting. I was like, it happened so fast, I couldn't stop what was going on. He's two. It's not a regular thing. Like, it's not... And now every time I check to make sure, like, oh, my back's all right. Yeah, you can play with my mole if you want, just in case, rather than eat my scabs. I'm so oh, sorry. Oh, God. As if you're weirded out by that. The things that you've seen and you go, Yeah, oh. but you're alive. Uh, if you were dead oh, and okay. he picked a scab and if you were dead, that's fine. Oh, so it's play on for a two-year-old to eat a dead person's scab, but not an alive that's person. fine. Yeah. That's absolutely <laughs> ludicrous. Can I ask you, Mike, what smells first with a body? <laughs> it's a general odour that comes off them. Distinctive. Once you smell it, you don't forget about it. Really? You're making a yeah. face there. Because oh, it is. It's not very what pleasant. What does it smell like? Is there a? It's like really, really rotten cheese. You know? How long? How long's that take? Oh, that can take a few days. Right. It depends on how cold the air is. Yeah. In Scotland, they, they survive quite a while before they go off. Whereas down in the south here. People would go off quite quickly, so they go kind of uh, dark and green and nasty. And smell. and you might find that body what a week, two weeks, sometimes longer. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh. How are you cleaning that up? Like you know, sometimes you if you go out for a drink, some of your mates might smoke, and you go back mm. home and you smell a smoke. You spend a lot of time with dead bodies. Mm-hmm. Do you end up smelling, smelling like a dead yeah. body? Unfortunately, that whatever it is. It clings to you, oh. and it clings to your hair and your clothes, and it gets inside the hairs in your nose, oh. so you smell it for a long time, oh. which is really... I mean, I, I'm so used to it, it doesn't bother me, but... You must have, like, an iron stomach. <laughs> You're sitting here, like, biggest smile in the world, just like... <laughs> yeah, it's fine, yeah, you're describing all these things, but I can absolutely uh, fucking handle it. Yeah. What's the What's the deadest person you've seen? The deadest. As in the smelliest. <laughs> the deadest. <laughs> it's either dead or alive. You can't, you I know. Know, you can't be half dead. Right, Joe, we have to we have to try and estimate um, how long the person that Myri has seen, how long they've been deceased for. So I would say four months. Longer. Longer than four months? Mm-hmm. 
Longer than four months? Years. Years? Mm-hmm. If... <laughs> If they've been buried in wet ground, they become very soggy and smelly. Whereas if it's in a dry, you know, like people sometimes put bodies in the attic and they, they dry out. So they mummify. So mummified bodies don't smell. Right. They might be a wee bit whiffy, but not nothing like the wet bodies. Yeah, hang on. Um, don't bury <laughs> in wet garden. No. Air them. Yeah, stick them up in the loft. The loft. Yeah. Maybe put a fan in. And a light. It sounds a lot like the way I do my biltong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a little heated light, yeah. bit of fan, really mm-hmm. dry the air out. Really That's all in. you're doing is you're mummifying it. Okay, now, me and Arthur, Daisy's grand are going to make a hell of a pair. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Don't laugh at me whistling in a jaunty fashion. I wish I could whistle this well. Hello, my friend Tom and I... Hi guys, I'm Tom. Yeah, he's Tom. ...have this amazing history podcast. It's called We Didn't Start the Fire, and it's the only podcast started by Billy Joel. And Katie, without being boastful, it really is the most original, fascinating, and random way to learn the story of the 20th century. I think that's being boastful. We go from Maryland to the Mafia, from the Beatles to bombs. Yeah, it's politics, rock and roll, sport, television, the space race, and we're joined by some pretty incredible guests. I only wrote stuff that I wanted to hear. If it turned out to be a hit, it was pure dumb luck. With me, Katie Puckridge. And me, Tom Fornice. This is We Didn't Start the Fire, the only podcast started by me, Billy Joel. Search for We Didn't Start the Fire and subscribe now. Okay, so now you have to do something that's really sexy. I totally advise you do this on any date or fancy occasion. When you've got it on your, in your mouth, mm. on your tongue, <laughs> you pull it. Already get it in your mouth, get mm. it on your tongue, mm. right there. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Hold it, and then I want you to purse your lips, open it just a little bit, and suck, suck some air over the water like this. Like this, ready? Is that a sexy noise? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you've slurped yet, have you? You haven't managed to slurp. Yeah. Okay, we'll we'll call that a practice. Right. So, all right, the four S's. Ready? So, C. Yeah. I see you. Swirl it. Swirl it. Swirl it. Swirl it. Swirl. Yeah. Excellent. Double-handed swirling. Smell. Just over the rim. Mmm. Mmm. I smell. (laughs) I smell summer. Uh, I smell headache. Wine gives me red. Well, white wine gives me headache, and then I, I sip. Is it sip? Is fourth the sip? Yeah. What? Okay. And then you want to do that slurpy thing. <laughs> I'm not choke. <laughs> it's really hard to do it without. That's coughing. hard if you yeah try not breathing it in. And, okay. Well, that's just another fun thing to practice at home when you're not around people. <laughs> I don't want to slag cows off too much, but (laughs) what on earth are they doing lying down thinking that if I lie down, I'm going to get less wet? Yeah. I don't understand the principle. Why you go, oh, the weather's turning, I'm just going to lie down. Surely you'd you'd go, oh, the weather, I've got this sixth sense in me that knows a storm's coming. You'd fuck off under a tree, no? (laughs) You wouldn't just go, yeah, I'll just lie down here. Oh, daisy. Just lie down next to me and we'll be fine. 
<laughs> Why are they doing that? Very kind of accurate bovine impression there. I loved it. It was, wasn't well, it? It was. Maybe they're trying to keep the ground dry. So, you know, that their little feet that are tucked underneath them can stay dry. Maybe it's about the udders. Do they like a dry udder? Maybe they don't like a damp udder. <laughs> Today's guest is Jay Crafter. Jay is an anti-poaching expert, originally from Zimbabwe, but he now lives in North Carolina. Thanks, mate. Good to be here. What about the animals? Do you ever find yourself that you're trying to protect them, but they kind of confuse you as a poacher, or they're just scared shitless of you, and they've just gone for you instead? Have you ever been in a situation like that? Yeah, no, a few times. Elephant herds along the Mozambique border, for example, in Zimbabwe, they're very cheeky most dramatic kind of scenario I can give you, we were laying a track for a dog, uh, me and a friend of mine. And what had been happening is we'd been having poachers come into the park at nighttime. So we laid the track. Uh, nobody knew it was happening. We were like, you know, being fake poachers. Uh, we wore the same footwear as poachers. So they would think they were poachers when they see our footprints on the ground. And we passed an elephant. It was a, this like dominant elephant path that basically handrails the river. And this, it was a, a bull of about 15 years old. And he, you know, did his trumpeting and waving his ears around and, you know, shouted at us type thing. And we just carried on uh, laying the track. Um, The team came up behind and that same elephant charged them. Uh, He got to about, I don't know, he was within three meters of the team. What? uh, And when he stopped, uh, we've got it on video. Um, It's quite a cool little video. And then Buffalo and Rhino, that honestly, every single trip I go on, we get charged by Buffalo, you know, and they're just, when they're, they're a very aggressive animal, and they're tough. They're, they're, their go-to defense mechanism is attack. Uh, and then the last one's black rhino. They, those black rhinos are very aggressive, but they run in straight lines, which is quite cool. Um, so as long as you get out their way, they're going to keep running away. But you just hear the sound of them. And said, and it's like this heavy, heavy breathing, like three, four times. And then the whole world just like falls apart as they just come charging through the bush. And they just carry on running. If you, hopefully, you get up a tree or get out of their way quick enough. It scares the living devil out of you. That you spoke about earlier about the elephant charging you, and you said, "Oh, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy, but it's quite cool. We've got a three to four minute video of it. You know, pretty cool. Nothing is fucking cool about an elephant <laughs> charging you. I was fourteen when I was in Zim, and there was this section that there was a couple me and a couple of kids that were sitting on this like wall hanging over a bit. And out of nowhere, this fucking giant elephant has come storming through, mate. Honestly, we were like... Hang on, a giant, a giant elephant? I mean, because elephants are big. Well, I was 14. You mean a like, giant... No, I'm, I'm trying to add some suspense to the story, you tit. <laughs> okay, it was a normal-sized elephant, which felt ginormous <laughs> to 14-year-old me and the younger lads that I was with. <laughs> And we oh, were away you. from the adults that we were with at the time. So they're like, oh, no. We're like, what do we do? Don't move. Don't move. And immediately, I've got all these things going through my head. Oh, you shouldn't make eye contact. <laughs> you shouldn't make eye contact with an animal. Don't look at it. Otherwise, it'll know you're angry. It can sense fear. Really puff out your chest because, you know, it can definitely sense if you're shitting yourself. And if you're not, it'll be scared or whatever. And it like semi-charged us as we were sat on this wall. And then you just described as well that for about that rhino, for whatever reason, just was like, oh, fuck it. it made it all. It's like, charge. and then turned off and went the other direction. So then when we got the chance to leg it, 
we legged it back into one of these boat houses that we were in and we hide it and the elephants then turned and come back and there was a couple of cars parked out the front and i remember this white like four by four because it was right there and uh it was like a comedy thing where it's you think it's lining up to then sit on this white four by four like perfectly as if it's going to take a dump on it and we're like oh my god it's going to crush the thing and then it just turns around just nudges it a little bit it was the scariest moment of my life mate i had exactly the same scenario now in kenya and uh i had an elephant come at me noise dust trunk up ears out i crapped myself it's it's terrifying it's a big old animal there's a lot of meat coming behind it and and i've basically recovered a body in uh, one national park of a German tourist that had been killed by an elephant. And his, his body was like bubble wrap. Uh, it was awful. And I just, I never want to feel that kind of pain. There's just no, no part of me that's, I'll, I'll go into flight mode before I hold my ground long enough, you know? Fuck, you just dropped that so, bombshell on us. Thanks. People get killed by elephants all the time in Africa, mate. His back is strong, his beard is thick. Wonders what makes people tick. Joe Marler and his show. Joe Marler, here we go. On the way to the studio today, uh, I went to the Sainsbury's local at Euston. Am I keeping this hidden? You can just pass me, Joe. I saw, and I found Libby, the cheapest wine on sale in Sainsbury's local. Yum. Joe, would you like to describe the vessel it comes in? Okay, so this is the cheapest wine, which you paid how much for? £2.20. That's still quite pricey for yeah. a... How many train station prices. Train, yeah, train station prices. It's 187 millilitres. It's 12%, and it, I would describe it as a miniature Guinness glass. Am I allowed to know which country this comes from? All it says on it is mini vino, which initially oh. I thought was Italian, but now this I realise just means small wine. This is truly... Small wine? On, yeah, but that's small wine a... in Italian. Hang on, it's got to have something on it. Ciao, Joe. You're like yeah, yeah, a no, mini vino. Mini vino. There you go. Oh, okay. All right, so am I tasting this? It sounds as if Tom is forcing it? this upon When you. you're pouring a wine, always pour it to the widest part of the glass. That's why if you go to really fancy restaurants, they have these massive glasses, and the waiter pours what you looks like a teaspoon. You're like, excuse me, pour, yeah. the, rest pour the rest, yeah. mate. Um, it's because the widest part is where the oxygen hits. So that's... But you can't really, and you can swell that, but you can't really swell this. So I'm just going to go, if I stick my nose in the rim, it's going to get wet. This is fucking appalling. I shouldn't be allowed to do stuff that's recorded. Mm, that is shit. <laughs> is go, it that go, face? Through your, go through your mental list. <laughs> okay, so my me- okay, all right. So it's obviously. <laughs> is it definitely wine? <laughs> I'm not sure. Let's, let's find out. It's a bit like, do you know what? It smells a bit like Ribena. No it's bad got, thing. It's got lots of red fruits on it, um, which would make sense. It's a it's a it's a Merlot. So it's got it's got, <laughs> it's got red and black fruits. It's obviously not that complex. If you only pick up like one or two things, it's generally seen as quite a simple wine. Now, simple doesn't mean bad. It just means not not excellent. Um, <laughs> simple doesn't mean bad, but it does mean bad. <laughs> okay, so there's literally no grip there at all. No there's grip. like there's no tannin particularly it's really which is in a way better than a really tannic wine if it's cheap where they've picked the berries too soon it's all a bit raw and harsh so at least that's very drinkable this is made to be very drinkable it's quite sweet as a dry wine um quite fruity i feel bad that you don't have your own that you can share with me well, i'm going back to Houston later so it's only two pound 20 so i can pick up another one <laughs> I've had a wonderful time, Libby, and thank you so much for coming on and 
Thank uh, you for having me. For letting us taste your wines. No, <laughs> for letting you taste my wines. Am I harder to cut open than Tom? Because I've got loads of fat on me. Yeah, but I've got a nice sharp knife. <gasps> so it doesn't really matter, does it? Just a yeah. few more layers to get through, you don't yeah. mind. You could peel yeah. them like a banana. Yeah. What's the weirdest set of circumstances, that the weirdest death you've ever turned up to? A body found in the sewage works. And it was actually the third body that had been found in the sewage works. And we should have known because the first two had been, I think they're possibly suicides, they'd been, but one had been a gunshot wound. And this guy was found and he was really rotten. He'd obviously been dead for months and months. We couldn't work out what had happened to him. I mean, he's, his head was misshapen, but we thought, well, could that have been because he's been through the sewage works? How, what does that do to you? How did he get into the sewage works? Did they fall down a manhole or whatever? And, of course, sometimes the police have got great theories and they're going, what could have happened was <laughs> they were all sitting out having a barbecue, sitting around a fire and something happened and he fell into a manhole and they couldn't rescue him and he got into that and he ended up in the sewage works. <laughs> <laughs> really? And I was saying, that sounds like <laughs> our sort of investigation. <laughs> That's DCI really? Marla and DI Fordyce just sat around really? eating, having a exactly. what's happening here, Joe? Really? He's having a barbecue, <laughs> then he's down on manhole. How's he getting the cover off? Doesn't matter. He's down on manhole. Yeah, there was a magnet that his son had been playing with. He actually he pulled it off. Next minute, you know, he's falling down like Gemma Collins on that stage. You know what I mean? <laughs> Fuck. Uh, I kept on saying, but he's been dead for weeks, if not maybe months. So they said, we'll sort this out. We'll go and we'll drop something into to, down a manhole, see how quickly it comes out at the sewage works. So they were doing this and they were going, oh, shit, it only, it only takes you know, so, so many hours. What did hours. they stick down there? They were getting little uh, plastic uh, containers filled with water and just dropping them down to see where they ended no, I up. I thought it might be like a, like a pig or something like that. No. You know I mean? Oh, dear God, no, no. Yeah, like a, like a dummy, like a crash dummy. Yeah. No, instead we'll just put a plastic box, which is very, very similar <laughs> yes. to this human body that we found. Uh, and it would bob along and then get into the sewage works. At the same time, I was trying to work out what the hell, what had happened to this poor man. I said, well, he's got, he's got a head injury. <laughs> and if he did fall down the manhole accidentally, <laughs> he could have drowned for all I know. But he's, anyway, it's, his head's uh, head not looking so good. And um, about this time, there was a guy walked into the police station and had informed them that he had been in a pub I think it was about two months earlier he was sitting there and it was a, one of these like dinner dance type things that used to have in those days and he said we're all sitting and you know the band were playing and we're chatting away and singing he said and then the guy who was sitting across from me at the table he, he said I heard this whooshing noise and he just suddenly went and there was red stuff on the table he said, and then two people ran out of the kitchen and grabbed him and huckled him out. He said, and then the wife came back because she'd gone off to the toilet. She came back and she just sat down what? and she looked at her watch and then she went off. And this, and so the, the, the police are back at me saying, this is, oh, wait to hear this story. And I said, right, right. At the same time, there's another guy <laughs> who is busy, comes into this, this pub that this had all happened in. Well, he came in with his wife and his wife said, you'll never guess what happened. Um, he went off today to commit suicide, didn't you? And he went, yeah, yeah. 
obviously that wasn't successful. He was in the pub with her. And he tried to hang himself on a, on a tree, but the branches kept breaking. So he got the bright idea of, I could jump down a hole. So lifted a man whole cover and looked down and there was a body. So they're busy telling this story in this this place where the dinner danced with the guy who had collapsed. This guy had obviously been murdered. He'd been actually shot. We had to go back and reconstruct how that could have happened. He was shot he was. at the dinner dance? At the dinner dance. The guys who had arranged, either arranged it or were involved in it, were in the pub while this woman was telling what happened to her husband. And they must have looked at one another and went, oh shit, we thought we'd get rid of the body by dumping it down. So they then went off and went down and shoved it in. But this is, remember, this is two months later. So as soon as the body gets in there, within a few hours, he rocks up at the sewage works. Fucking hell. I'd, I'd love the look of your face right now, Tom. <laughs> that, I'm, I'm hoping my face looks like that as well. This, if you, if we just gone to the pub and you had told me that story, I'd be going bullshit. <laughs> yeah, what a crock of shit. Yeah, bollocks. I Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Do you know what the the funniest thing out of all of that is? It's the, <laughs> it's the way you describe the wife. Yeah, discusses it. Yeah, you see, you actually killing yourself to do it, didn't you? But you failed. Thanks, love. Yeah, yeah. And they're just sat in the pub and yeah. just chat about it. But he'd, ta- he'd taken her washing line and she wasn't pleased, actually, because he'd taken the washing line to do it. <laughs> and hadn't come back with it. <laughs> and because we wondered when we found the body why there was a blue washing line round him. And, of course, the guys who went back after he'd, they'd told this story had obviously used the washing line to try and wrap it round him. And oh, oh <laughs> my God. This is, uh, this is incredible. That's one of the best stories <laughs> I've ever heard. So thank you ever so much. Darren. Yes. I'd just like to say thank you. For coming on to the show. Thank you very much for having me. And telling us what it's like to fight fires. You've been an absolute legend. Tom, have you got anything to say? Karen. Why have you changed your voice, you weirdo? I would just just reiterate everything that Joe said thank you <laughs> thank you very much yes you brought in to me I see it I've done it yeah winner <laughs> cheers mate I appreciate cheers, it thank you very much Legend. last one Ah, thank you to our lovely firefighter thank you to all our guests and even more than that Merry Christmas to you the listener and if you've grown the show in any way this year Thank you so much. We will be back in January and we will have episodes with a sex worker, a detective, an estate agent, a surgeon, someone who has been taken hostage by pirates, and some theme park designers. That last one, an absolute roller coaster ride, because that's what this show is. So buy a bubble hat, wear it with pride this winter. Just go to joemarla.co.uk forward slash shop for those. And whoever you meet this Christmas, tell them to listen, yeah? Grow this show. Crowd Network, a place where you belong. Sports 
Social Podcast Network.